Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole at the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. You know, as entrepreneurs and salespeople, we tend to put most of our focus on just getting the sale. And while that's important, there's something far more valuable and more profitable waiting for us. Let's talk about that strategy. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having a fantastic day. In the last episode, we talked about how complexity hampers our business, and simplicity is one of the main keys to success in growing our businesses. Today, I wanted to revisit a topic I talked about early on in this podcast. I think it was like episode five or six. And so why am I going over this same topic again? Well, I see it negatively impact our clients' businesses on a daily basis, and you know, I know they're not alone. You know, in case you haven't listened to me before, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sales Double, which is a B2B marketing company founded, you know, about 20 years ago. We use cold calling, appointment setting, and follow-up as our main emphasis because we found it's one of the most effective ways to reach decision makers in small B2B. But that's just to give you context of what I'm saying when I say that uh, I see it every day at our company. You know, I experience it as a prospect of many other companies trying to solicit our company's business and also my personal business. What I'm talking about is the lost emphasis on follow-up. You may be thinking, well, that's you know a lot of build-up for such a basic concept, but hear me out on this. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about constantly reevaluating our businesses and going back to the basics that made it successful to start off with. And follow-up is one of those basics. You know, in my opinion, properly done follow-up is where just about all the money comes from in marketing and sales. I know that's a bold statement, but give me a few minutes and I think you'll see where I'm coming from. First, let's start with some basic understanding so we're all on the same page. I mean, why is follow-up so important and why am I making a big deal about it and spending a whole episode on it? Well, there are several reasons, but you know, a lot of salespeople and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of companies tend to focus on just signing the deal and how much money they're going to make in that initial commission or that upfront payment. And a lot of times this focuses on the wrong aspect of the sale, in my opinion. There's much more money involved in focusing on the long game than an upfront payment that we're going to receive. And this is true with both prospects that you're trying to close for the first time, as well as existing clients. I mean, so why is an excessive focus on the upfront payment a good idea? Well, one, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't go after it and you shouldn't get it. I'm just saying that there's a lot more money where that came from. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But another reason follow-up is so critical, particularly in B2B, is that we tend to have longer sales cycles, do more relationship-based selling, and have a higher ticket, lower volume sales. So when prospecting, if we're focused mostly on only those who are ready to buy now, we lose all kinds of money that's waiting for us down the road. We're literally leaving money all over the place. I mean, you may have heard the old saying in sales that it takes at least six contacts with a prospect uh, before a, a sale. And, you know, I would say that it's a little outdated. And, you know, these days it might be 10 or 15 times of contact. I mean, with how much info we're all bombarded with every day, the loudest and the most consistent voice is the one that we're paying attention to. Sometimes it'll take 10 or 15 contacts just to close a deal. You know, if you have a decent margin in your product or service, of course, that's still very worth your time. And one last point on the importance of follow-up, but, you know, follow-up is not just for prospects. It's for current clients and customers. 
And again, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we should be constantly reselling our clients, upselling them and turning them into raving fans and referral sources. Oh, and, you know, I kind of forgot, but, you know, those of you thinking, well, you know, I don't need to do follow-up as my prospects are one-time sales, or I don't have a way to follow up and it's too expensive to spend time following up with them. You know, I respectively disagree with that. I mean, take, for example, McDonald's. Some people may be on their email list for follow-up, you know, if they use their app or something, but in general, it doesn't seem like, you know, they're doing a ton of follow-up if you think about it. I mean, they aren't doing email blasts or phone calls to you, for instance. And, you know, they don't need to because they're following up with you in a different way. They're so ingrained in our society, you know, in the U.S. and probably a lot of places around the world that, you know, I'm thinking that probably 90% of the population has eaten there at one time in their, you know, in their lives. I mean, so why do they spend so much money on advertising, on TV sponsorships, you know, buying rights to Marvel superheroes on their cups or whatever? I mean, they're not trying to convince someone who's never eaten at a McDonald's to give it a try. Generally, if they haven't gone to McDonald's at some point in their life, but, you know, they have a diehard reason and, you know, they're not going to go ever. But the reason they advertise aggressively is because they're following up with their own customers over and over and over again, never stopping, ever. I mean, they're the ultimate follow-up kings, in my opinion. I mean, I'm almost 50 and I've been watching McDonald's ads since I was a toddler. I mean, that's commitment for a company. So that's the importance of follow-up. And if McDonald's and other large corporations spend billions of dollars at doing it, you know, I think you and I should take a hint and consider how we could do it in our business. You know, I can go on and on about the importance of follow-up, but I think you get where I'm going. So the next question, you know, I mean, how do we as salespeople and entrepreneurs, you know, do in the area of follow-up? I mean, given what we've talked about and, you know, what we know, what most of us would agree that it's critical. And it's one of those things, if you don't know, you know, where you are on the map, it's hard to get where you want to go. So. The reality is where most of us are at is that follow-up is really one of the most poorly run parts of a business and a major problem with your average salesperson. I mean, see if this resonates, and let me ask you, have you ever been in a situation where a salesperson has handed a stack of leads, of, you know, metaphorically or whatever these days, I mean, you know, like via email or CRM or whatever, but let's say it's 10 leads that someone else generated either by cold calling, online, directing queries, whatever. You know, the salesperson, they, you know, they first look over the 10 leads and immediately make a judgment based upon the info provided with the lead, you know, how valuable it is, so to speak. I mean, that makes sense, right? So go for the lowest hanging fruit and all that, which I believe in. So maybe they've identified two out of the 10 they think look solid and look like they're at, you know, the stage of maybe being able to close them. So then the salesperson looks at another two or three and says, hmm, well, maybe I'll call them. You know, there could be potential there. You know, and translation, they won't call them. Then there's the remaining four or five that immediately get put into the mental trash can. They think these leads are garbage and, you know, are a waste of time. And actually, from my experience with salespeople over the years, I think this is actually pretty optimistic when, you know, look at a stack of leads percentage-wise, you know, at least on any particular day. It's much more likely that the majority of the leads, if not all of them, fall into that last category of being garbage in the salesperson's mind, so they won't even bother to follow up with the lead. Next thing that usually happens is the salesperson will go to their boss, you know, if they have one and, you know, they'll complain that the leads are crap and ask for new ones. You know, if it's the entrepreneur doing the selling, they're likely to dump the leads altogether and just try to generate more work in, in some other way. You know, again, you know, we see this a lot in our business because of what we do. I mean, we'll work through the whole process of setting up and developing the right prospects for our clients and, you know, and getting them to where they're ready to hand off. And once it's in the client's hands, you know, we don't have a lot of visibility, unfortunately. So we don't know what the client does from there always. Sometimes it's as bad as the client doesn't show up for a meeting we schedule for them, you know, or doesn't make the scheduled call. 
I mean, fortunately, this is not a real common thing, but we see it enough that it's noticeable. The bigger thing is we get clients coming to us frustrated that their marketing program doesn't seem to be yielding the results that they wanted. And usually what happens is that one of our client service people will sit down and kind of go over all the prospects that we've provided and one by one to find out the situation. And it usually goes something like this, you know, the client service person will say, well, what happened to this lead? And then the client say, oh, well, yeah, I did call and, you know, that might turn into something. And then, you know, what about this lead? And then the client says, oh, well, you know, they weren't interested right now, but they said I should call back in three months. And then, you know, what, what about this lead? And, you know, this is the worst. Um, client says, uh, yeah, I didn't call them because it didn't seem like a strong lead. I mean, I can't tell you how many of those times this happens, probably per week. I mean, it's very frustrating, but it illustrates one of the reasons that salespeople don't succeed. They don't do follow-up properly, or in some cases, uh, and a lot of times, uh, not at all. I mean, I think there are a few reasons salespeople do a a poor job of using a follow-up system. Um, I mean, number one, they do the call one time and get discouraged, and then they never call again. And that's probably their number one problem. You know, they also follow up with content that is garbage, you know, uninteresting to their prospects, and mostly brags about their company, you know, sending brochures about how long they've been in business and, you know, whatever awards they've won. You know, instead of focusing on the prospect's hot buttons. And, you know, another mistake is that the content is impersonal. Sending out an automated newsletter type of thing, I think, is probably one of the most useless marketing techniques that people promote, And you know, in my opinion. You know, next, the delivery system they use is bad. You know, for instance, you know, maybe the email provider they have has poor delivery rates, you know, doesn't have good analytics, whatever, you know. Uh, And finally, and I think there's another big one, salespeople are often, you know, I mean, let's face it, they're not the in general, and this is a stereotype, of course, but not the most organized people in the world. And their lead follow-up systems is disorganized, inconsistent, and, you know, with bad timing of the follow-up and touch points. And just so you know, I'm not theorizing here. My company, Sales Double, which, again, does B2B marketing with emphasis on cold calling appointment setting, you know, we exist because of this poor follow-up. I mean, we experienced this firsthand with our clients when we first started as a company. You know, we originally started just generating leads and giving them to our clients. And then after a while, we realized, well, nobody's following up with these leads. And then so next step was we provided uh, the clients with not only leads, but we gave them, you know, follow-up marketing materials to send, you know, emails and faxes and that sort of thing. And still nobody followed up, even though we gave them the tools. And then, you know, we moved on to the next stage. We thought, well, let's send out the materials for them, you know. And so we would send out materials to prospects on their behalf. And then, uh, you know, a prospect might reply with, hey, yeah, I got it. I'm interested. Or, you know, let's meet or something. And then the client would never respond to the inquiry or the reply. And, you know, so again, you know, we designed, we decided, well, okay, we're, we're going to design, send out the materials, and then, you know, we're going to handle the reply to them and only let the client know if they needed to show up for an appointment. And that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, and I don't mean to bash salespeople because, you know, I've been one and, you know, it's a very tough job and it's not my intent. It's just, you know, because I've been guilty of these things just as much as anybody else in the last 25 years in B2B. But, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, before we can figure out, you know, how to fix this, we need to know why. You know, off the top of my head that, you know, the reasons why we do such a poor job of follow-up include that, you know, the disorganization I talked about and also, you know, the fear of rejection. Let's be real. I mean, calling somebody and having them hang up, you know, or be rude is tough, just like cold calling. Procrastination, you know, this is really easy to do with modern CRM systems, you know, that have some kind of snooze button, which, you know, bumps the task into another day. I mean, have you ever had a reminder in your Outlook, you know, for instance, that pops up every day and you snooze it, then you realize you've been snoozing it for a month or longer? I mean, I know I do that a lot, unfortunately. 
And, you know, why else? And, um, you know, I think this is a big one. You know, we're afraid to contact someone too often and, and quote, pester them. What we don't realize is that if you think you should contact someone once a month, the reality is you should be doing it probably at least twice that and maybe more. As I said before, we're bombarded, you know, with all kinds of marketing messages every day in society, just so many of them, much more than in the past. And so you really have to break through the noise. So you're not offending somebody by making multiple contacts and they'll tell you if you are. You know, lastly, I think we do a, a poor job in follow-up because, you know, we dismiss valid leads, you know, getting discouraged and then only focusing on the leads that are ready to buy now. Basically, you know, focusing on the short term instead of going for the long game. Okay, so we've defined the problem and some reasons why we get stuck doing it, but let's, you know, get off the depressing stuff, uh, you know, as I say, for a moment and focus on how we can actually remedy this and uh, get the follow-up, the priority it deserves. In my mind, there are really four major components to a follow-up system. Number one, timing, and then consistency of the, um, then personalization of the material we're sending out, and then organization, of course. You know, when it comes to these four components, it doesn't really matter if you have thousands of prospects and customers or if you have a few hundred. And the principles are the same. And it also, you know, is the same for current customers. The follow-up we need to do is just as important, and we need to constantly resell our current clients, you know, for repeat business to develop raving fans and referrals and that sort of thing. But let's go through these one by one real quickly. I mean, first of all, timing. You know, I'm sure if you think about it, if you've been in sales any, you know, length of time or owned a business, you know, you've tried to get that deal and been working with a prospect and then kind of slacked off on following up with them only to contact them down the road and realize they bought from somebody else because you didn't stay in touch. I, I, unfortunately, I know I've done that a few times. You know, so timing has to be right and it has to be planned. You know, as we talked about a minute ago, you know, we have to have the correct intervals. You know, again, if you th if the prospect says, call me back in three months, you need to call them back in a month uh, just to check in with them. And no, they're not going to get mad. Um, you know, I mean, very rarely will you get somebody who's a nut and, you know, but in reality, you know, if you wait to call them in three months, I guarantee they bought from somebody else in month two, just the way it works. So getting that timing right and getting the correct intervals down is super important. You know, and sometimes this takes experimentation and testing, you know, um, consistency, you know, balancing you know, the time between contact and sort of burnout. Obviously, you don't want to go crazy with them, but send them, you know, an email every day, for instance. But, you know, unless it's appropriate for what you're doing, like I said, whatever you think is too much, you probably need to double it. You know, um, I remember when we launched uh, our, our internal coaching and, and mastermind program, um, I was really nervous about sending out too many emails. And it was kind of, I remember cringing going, oh, do I click the button, you know? And, um, you know, because we were, we were sending quite a few emails to, about this. and you know, I did not have out of hundreds of clients, I did not have a single person that complained that we were sending them too much, you know, email. So consistency and, and never ending, you know, and another thing, personal, like we talked about, uh, you know, it can't be appear automated, even if it is. I mean, we all know that, you know, we'll get an automated salutation these days, and it's probably an automated thing. But, you know, the more uh, personal you can make, a, you know, a specific email, and there's all kinds of tools to do this you know, particularly with email these days, you know, you can reference data points, that, things that you know about your clients and integrate that into your content. And you can tailor to their interests and taste, you know, and you can use all kinds of fancy stuff, Facebook pixels, analytics, you know, click-throughs on emails, responses. I mean, you can go nuts with the technology, uh, which is, uh, you know, fantastic because it's much better than it was in the past. And, you know, the last one, you know, it's got to be, you know, organized. And without excellent organization, you're going to give away the fact that it's automated and you're 
not going to get the timing right. And you're going to piss somebody off because, you know, and you're going to lose off major sales because, you know, and leave money on the table because you were too disorganized and the system didn't work. If you're old enough to remember, you know, the concept of a tickler file, you know, little note cards that you, you know, organized by date or whatever uh, for prospects. Um, I mean, that concept is really still relevant. And it's it, the only thing that's changed is it's the technology to do it instead of on a note card. It's, you know, some kind of database or CRM type of system, you know, and then again, you know, we got to be careful about automated reminders, you know, easy to hit that snooze button. Realize that databases and follow-up systems, you know, are a tool. They're not a crutch. You still have to put some effort in. You can't just click a button and never follow up to see if, you know, it's working, what needs to be changed. You know, it's a constant ongoing thing. You know, this sounds complicated and it is. So you probably need, you know, help in managing that system, you know, either with an internal employee, a contractor, a third-party company, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the other challenge is you've got to figure out how to integrate different systems, you know. How do you integrate your CRM and your email systems with what's going on on any social media ads or, you know, outreach via like LinkedIn, you know, manual follow-up? I mean, tying them together is a whole different episode in itself, but, and maybe we'll talk about that later. Okay, so, you know, what are some examples of things and how we can actually implement this? Like a lot of things, you know, first of all, we've got to realize and commit to a system. I mean, use old school or modern techniques or both, you know. I think a mix of them is really what you want to do. But if you don't commit and, you know, have your team commit, it's just not going to get done. You know, I mean, you might as well just be lighting $100 bills on fire. So you want to develop, document, and, you know, really prepare that follow-up system for scale. You know, because it works with five people, you got to make sure it works with 100. You know, and review each idea that comes up and, you know, say, does it have all those four components? Uh, does it accomplish what we're trying to do? Is it scalable? You know, if not, dump it and try something else. There's really two, you know, major categories as far as I'm concerned about implementation. It's, you know, you've got one scenario where you've got a small number of high-value clients and prospects, you know, whether, you know, one sale might be worth, you know, $100,000 or something, and there's only 100 companies in the U.S. or something. You can go old school with, you know, writing handwritten notes. You know, it's rare, but people do it and it really sticks out. You know, you can FedEx, you know, little trinkets or letters or whatever. You know, as I've said before, you know, the FedExes get decision makers, they get to their desk, whereas, you know, uh, a receptionist or, you know, assistant's going to open up regular mail. You know, um, something as uh, old school as, you know, calling on a client's birthday or, you know, just to follow up any excuse you can to call. You know, and if you can't do it, you know, have somebody else do it, but preferable if you can, of course. You know, and then, you know, with that small number of high value clients, you can also use modern techniques, email campaigns that we talked about for, you know, they're tailored for timing, you know, to where the prospects are in the sales cycle, you know, not just newsletter blast type of things. You can contact them directly through, you know, social media like LinkedIn is pretty good at that. Advertising on social media and search engines, you know, pay per click, but very targeted at that, that very small audience that you have. Uh, and it's, you know, very easy to do these days, you know, with, you know, technology. And you may not be able to do it yourself, but that's where you want to hire somebody, you know, usually a contractor who's good at that because there's, there's uh, so many specialists out there and it's relatively cheap when you think about it. You know, the other scenario is that, you know, you've got a large number or, you know, medium to small dollar value customers. You know, if you're looking at the old school way of doing it, you know, there are things like advertising and targeted publications like, you know, industry journals or industry publications, you know, um, but quit doing that general advertising thing, you know, that we talked about early on that, you know, is just kind of sort of billboard advertising. Make sure that you're having a specific call to action and there's some way to track it. You know, mailers, uh, you know, in general, I'm not a huge fan of mailers, but, 
you know, they do work, you know, if it, particularly if it's, you know, targeted, you know, and, you know, you think about it, have you ever gotten a, you know, you get all kinds of junk mail on a daily basis at home. Of course we all do. And, but once in a while I'll get one that's got a handwritten, you know, address on it, my name and address or whatever. Uh, and it looks like somebody personally wrote it, which they did. Somebody hand wrote it out and then they'll put a letter in there and sign it handwritten. And, you know, it's of course some solicitation for a mortgage refi or something, but somebody actually did that work. Let's say you had a thousand letters, you know, I mean, um, that sounds like, oh my gosh, how, you know, I'm not going to address a thousand letters, but if you were able to hire somebody to do it, you know, for a thousand letters at 15 bucks an hour, and you could do it a lot cheaper, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, that's 500 bucks for a thousand letters. And again, if the, you know, uh, payoff is good enough, that certainly makes sense. So even mass mailers can work. Uh, follow-up calls, you know, interval and, you know, special occasions, you know, like I said, do it yourself or hire somebody to do it. Um, I mean, it's almost a, as effective as, you know, hey, I'm Jane calling from Billy Bob's office, you know, to wish you a happy birthday. Um, people still appreciate it. But even when you've got a larger number of clients, you know, and, and a lower dolly, it still can make sense. Um, you know, from a modern standpoint, of course, you've got email automation with salutations, you know, split things depending on past behavior, what the what websites they visit, all that kind of stuff. You can get really crazy on that. The social media automation, you know, with retargeting and, you know, pixels and all that good stuff. You know, and then, of course, you can very cheaply use call centers to do outbound, you know, marketing. Uh, companies like ours, you know, so there's a lot of things you can do in, in both scenarios. So takeaways from this episode, uh, number one, you know, don't get wrapped up in the front end of a sale. There's a lot more money where that came from. And don't prejudge leads. You never know where your business is going to come from. And, you know, commit to a follow-up system, document it and implement. It's too important to blow off until tomorrow. It's a critical part of your business. And get over your fear of pestering people by contacting them too much. When you're reviewing any kind of strategy that you're going to implement, make sure that the four components that we talked about, you know, timing, consistency, personalization, and organization are all part of that, uh, that strategy. Thanks for listening today, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something that you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable, and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform, and give me your honest feedback. If you're interested in learning more about how to grow your B2B small business, please call my office at Sales Devil, which is 866-231-6776. Talk to you soon.